0: This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and as always, I have to thank my patrons. They are my personal lords and saviors, and I truly could not do this show without them. So for this week, I have to thank Arthur, Robert, Rory, Chad, and Kat. Thank you so much. And for anyone listening to this who wants to join their number— Go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars a month. You get extra content every single week. The one dollar tier unlocks all extra content. So then you can, you know, spread your your money around between different creators you want to support. All right. Well, with all of that out of the way, Vivian, welcome back to the show. Hello. My very good friend and colleague in the Satanic Temple. I would also say your last name, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh,
1: Desi Saints.
0: What what he said. Okay, so how are you? How's life? How's it been since our last conversation? By the way, everyone should go listen to our previous conversation. We uh, had a fun conversation about decadence and dandyism, which is like Vivian's area of expertise.
1: Oh, you know, it's... uh... Not great, but I'm trying to, to persevere through it. And that's prob- probably a lot about what we're, we're going to talk about today. Not my problems, but how to persevere through it.
0: Absolutely. Hold on. I'm shoving vegan pizza into my face as we talk. So just a moment. Let me chew. How dare. Yeah. So, you know, you've been talking lately on social media about the importance of finding pleasure in things and the importance of enjoying things as a way of surviving life and as a way of getting through life. And I think on first blush, people will hear that as really, I don't know, negative and materialistic, but I don't believe it is. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about this, about your just enjoy things philosophy, because for a lot of people, life is challenging right now for a lot of different reasons, be it financially Be it with work, be it relationally or, you know, bigger, more scary existential and political questions and issues going on right now. So shit's scary. But you've been you've been talking about the importance uh, about ways to confront that and get through that. So when you say just enjoy things, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be materialistic. Coming from a dandy perspective, I can see where people would would think that would be the first thing i would be saying is like go buy that book go on that trip uh and that's totally part of it like you should engage in those things but what i mean by just enjoy things is that focus on what actually fulfills you or gives you even a moment's distraction versus how we tend to especially in american culture we are very well they have something and i hate that they have that or I dislike what they're doing. They didn't do this the way that I wanted. And I'm like, and that's criticism is valid and we should always have an ability to, to utilize criticism, but I feel we get into a mode where that is all we have, is that all we do is tear down others because we are unhappy or displeased with events in our life or where we're going or what we're doing. And that's a very normal human response and we should always understand that that is a human response but we are also creatures that are capable of vast amount of change. And one of those things we should be doing is rather than feeding that negative fire of constantly dragging other people down or other things down, we should take solace in the things that we actually enjoy. Rather than saying, I hate all of this this television program that I have watched, and it's maybe a variety show of some sort, and you despise two out of six performers, What should you take more out of that? The two performers you didn't like or the others that you really enjoyed? What about those things actually appealed to you?
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. How we live in this culture where and obviously this isn't in every corner of our, you know, American life. But we we do live in this culture where it's almost fashionable to be derisive towards other people's things. Towards other people's hobbies, towards other people, and just be like, "That's so stupid. I don't get that." That's or or whatever it might be. And you know, I just don't. Lately, I have found a lot of comfort and, and a lot of refreshment in like various fandoms and hobby worlds because it's just unironic. They just like it. Like, take you know, Magic the Gathering. There is there's nothing ironic about it. No one is hating on each other for the things they like. Well, some some do that. There there is always that, but in general, there is people who are into Dungeons and Dragons are just really into it, and there is no point in dismissing that or deriding that. And I do think that we have this kind of broader culture in which a lot of identity and a lot of personal, a lot of time is dedicated to just disliking things that other people like.
1: Yeah, and it, it's something that I mean, for a lot of my adult life, I was very much caught in that in that system of like I and it was a byproduct of, you know, experiences I grew up with. And then I realized very um not all that long ago that it was a byproduct of classism, in which lower classes in society are pit against one another because we have to destroy what someone else has to make our things seem more valuable. When in you're in a when you're living in a reality where there's like the lower class and then a very thin upper crust like why are we tearing each other down for the things that give us even a moment's hope or pleasure in a time where we all need to focus and this is this is so it all comes back into like practice the praxis of understanding and utilizing your role within society and not segmenting people off just because you can because the more you do that the harder it is to ever unify around anything and it's completely possible to dislike something and say to yourself you know i'm really not into friends (laughs) or i i mean this is me personally i I despise friends and i still want to do the like a deep analysis takedown of why I don't like friends, which I think that's more productive than just saying "fuck you" for liking friends. Yeah,
0: that—that's me with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Just yeah. not into it.
1: <laughs> and it's totally fine if this if this thing gives anyone a moment's like respite. Like we shouldn't mm-hmm. uh, stop them from enjoying it, but they should also be you know equipped with the understanding of why the, their chosen media might be problematic. It's like I'm very into professional wrestling and authority is that problematic in a lot of ways? It's improving vastly, hmm. but there's that's, that's really interesting. There's a problem, a problematic stuff.
0: That's really interesting. Could you talk some about that? Just okay. So, and and people, he, I, I, I think that there's this ongoing conflict in online spaces in regards to fandoms and whatnot. It, and this goes all the way back to GamerGate when Anita Sarkeesian. Arnita Sarkeesian, you know, released the the most inoffensive feminist critiques of gaming, just like the most, you know, I don't want to say run of the mill. I don't mean that dismissively, but, you know, just kind of very, very reasonable academic critiques of games. And a lot of the gaming community responded by saying, this must mean you hate games and you hate us for playing them and we have a really hard time i think being able to say something is problematic and i can still enjoy it lord of the rings is problematic and i can still love lord of the rings it, it isn't one or the other right
1: exactly and the gamergate in particular was the i guess the the proving grounds for the current alt right push we have happening in society mm-hmm. it was the it was the first volley in what if we make this about coming for us as a cultural group it was gamers not wanting to be told that anything they like or enjoy could possibly have replications or implications that they would that aren't good for society very small avenue for that to happen but it destroyed or at least tried to destroy their lives and was genuinely the the, the kickstart to online fascism
0: yes and, and, it's, I, and it started, i'm just going
1: to say that definitively because like, no it, every it absolutely brought up i have to, have to say it
0: no it absolutely was and i um you know i just read the fascinating book it came from something awful by dale baron i think is the author and he charts that whole process of how you know, gamers being really upset by a feminist critique, by a perfectly, you know, reasonable feminist critique and seeing that as some kind of assault upon their dignity <laughs> and upon their their identity was the birth of like this horrific online fascist movement.
1: Yeah, it was just it was it was this testing the water to see if it would work because gamers mm. are skew young, they're very volatile, put enough incendiary assholes in that. As decoys to stoke those fires, and you've got this entire problem. Yeah. And, and 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 on the back of that, having been a game journalist during uh, oh the god,
0: okay, we we might need to talk about that if you want to, if you're up for it.
1: Uh, I mean, I was at the tail end of of I, I stopped wanting to be in, in in game journalism at that point. I was on the tail end of leaving right. anyway because it was already turning into something that was unsustainable if you didn't live in a major city or on the coast. I mean, obviously there are people who had much better footing that could do it from anywhere, but I was not one of those people. I was a freelance journalist. And so I took that, I was like, Oh shit, I'm going to not get back involved in that. But that was like the, (laughs) that was me starting my consideration of what it means to actually enjoy things. And it took a long, a lot. It's a long process to unlearn these behaviors we have toward, uh, Striking with negativity and I still do it. I mean, it's not something that you you turn flip the switch and it's perfect And it doesn't mean that you are not defending yourself Or you don't have opinions that could possibly ruffle people's feathers, but it's more of like an an engaged approach To how we interact with people their desires their interests and our own interests
0: Absolutely, you know, so so let's circle back to professional wrestling so you take enormous delight in professional wrestling. You, you talk about it online quite a bit. You talk about it in the various Slack groups that we're in quite a bit. And I love that. Like, I, I love that you're into professional wrestling. And one of the things I, I, how do I say this? I love people who are unironically into things that maybe other people wouldn't get. I love that. I love just sincere love in <laughs> in things that maybe some people don't quite grasp
1: yeah well and then and, and I I'm I gonna say this curse myself but I want to also be a wrestler I'm trying to, to work toward that
0: that would be amazing
1: uh, opening opening floor on that nowhere nothing we'll see but sure uh, I grew up in basically theater uh, my parents were... Actors in a renaissance fair for a a large portion of my life Uh, I was always on stage doing plays or working behind the scenes on uh, production uh, Halloween events and things like that. So I grew up in a very Carnified atmosphere It took me a while to come circle back around to it But wrestling brings that same like spark and joy because it is performance and people hate it when you talk about it that way but like Kayfabe is dead. We don't think it's. We don't think these things are real fights anymore. But there's still beauty and pageantry, and hmm. real highs and lows. And it, it is just theater. And if you if you take it that way, it's good to enjoy it. It's like cheer for the cheer for the heroes, boo for the villains. Yeah, enjoy people who do different things.
0: There's there's kind of a a mic. I don't know. It's kind of like a microcosm of a lot of these epic stories that we tell about, tell ourselves about good and evil and archetypes. And, you know, like, I mean, I don't know anything about wrestling, but when I look at like the characters in, in professional wrestling, what I see are kind of universal archetypes. And, and I don't mean that in like the, the way Jung meant it, but just like these are, these are figures that evoke, stories that we're familiar with and themes that we're all familiar with and that, that kind of play out the role of good and evil on a stage. And I can see how, I mean, I can see how that would be cathartic in the same way ritual would be cathartic for some people. And that's awesome.
1: And, and and it's, it's own like circle of rituals because like, uh, two major companies have, uh, routine, uh, pay-per-views that people often have like their own like get-togethers and parties for it, it becomes this this entire community but also a consistent thing that you can go and watch or experience and you meet other people who like these things or maybe want to do mm-hmm. these things and and that community the, the especially what is referred to as the IWC or the internet wrestling community is one of and I'm not going to fire many shots here because I don't want to get fopped. But it comes back to all of those things we were talking about, communities that have problems and it can be hostile towards members within their groups. Hmm. And every so every community has problems. And in in wrestling right now, and I think this is a byproduct of the reality TV culture that the WWE uh, sort of injected into the scene, because for the longest time, they were the only really big televised wrestling, is that it, it, it plays out like a TMZ drama and fans react the way that they react to the Kardashians or they react to The Bachelorette but it's still people get a little too close and start invading spaces and lives in a way that's really caustic to people's ability to continue to do their to do their jobs hmm. and it's it's very strange to see it and also know that you could have contributed to that in any way by not being more careful about the things you say or what people might see you say. And that was also an aspect of like, you know what, just enjoy things. I can just Mm -hmm. support people being good at what they do or things that I liked about a thing that I watched. And so it all circles back to enjoy the things for what they are. And particularly if there's nothing on the line, if it's like someone doing a performance of something or entertaining you in some way. It's okay to not be entertained. It is not okay to lambast them if you're not particularly entertained by something.
0: What are some of the problematic features in wrestling over the past 100 years or so that you you were referring to?
1: Oh, Oh, tons, Uh, but it it runs the gambit from like mafia involvement, organized crime involvement on Uh several continents, uh, cronyism, outright assaults um uh, there was a wrestler uh named Bruiser Brody who was murdered after a dispute uh in Puerto Rico in the locker room
0: it sounds like the drag world
1: <laughs> oh yeah you yeah, know no all of these, these spaces it's, it sounds it?
0: it sounds a lot like the drag queen community
1: well that's because it's all it's all born out of these spaces that are people who are not your everyday like nine per- to five mentality people.
0: Yeah, they're performers. That's that's yeah, the way performers it, are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but
1: it's it's a crazy world, and so everything has its problems. And that was just a a, a light scraping of, of things that have happened. Sure, uh, there have also been character caricatures that are are, are uncomfortable, like religious stereotypes, uh, stereotyping sexuality, mm. gender expressions. And these things are improving over time. Uh, like one of the, that's been the coolest thing in the last 20 years of me watching has been just the, how open people are to talk about their their journeys, who they are. Uh, there are many trans wrestlers now who are mm. openly uh, trans and, or are in the middle of their transition while they're working. And like, that's crazy and cool. Yeah. And that's, that's something awesome. that you wouldn't have seen 30 years ago.
0: Yeah, that's amazing loving something does not mean that that thing is above reproach. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at, at all. all. You know, it,
1: you just have to be more considerate about when, especially when you have such a direct line to somebody. It's like uh, with like Twitch, people who stream on Twitch, uh, podcast hosts, things mm-hmm. like that. You have a direct line to people now that you didn't have even 10 years ago. Then like, we don't know how to have that disconnect because social media grew so fast. We did not initiate cultural norms about how to deal with that we went from this being a relatively connected and space to becoming a vitriolically connected space very quickly yeah and again just enjoy things so sometimes.
0: along those lines i think that there is something really important and special about the experience of delight delighting in something yes and it has only been recently that I realized how rarely I experienced that. I re- and I didn't know that. And so I will, you know, do a lot of things that I think I genuinely enjoy. you know, I enjoy running, I enjoy podcasts, I enjoy all of those things, but but I feel like the there's an element of just pure delight that has been absent from all of those things for i think a really really long time i continue to do those things i continue to enjoy those things but but there there is a lack of transporting delight in those and i and i'm trying i've tried to place why there is that absence of delight because when i experience it i know it and it is so refreshing it's so restorative but what why do i not experience it so much and i think it is because of the ubiquity of social media for me
1: and I think that's very much the case and I also think it's that we have expectations for what should drive that high and I'm going to put it in those terms because it, it just be up the ante on that we don't slow down enough to really engage with something it's like I have to watch this show I have to make sure I listen to this podcast I have to make sure that I catch this twitch stream And we've commodified so many aspects of our, of our time that we don't turn things off and social media does play a huge role in that. Um, We we were having a conversation with, with pen about this occasionally. Uh, And one of my responses was finally like, I have curated my feed in a way that I am only engaging with the things that I want to engage with.
0: I, I need to figure out how to do that. Cause like Jesus Christ, I, open Twitter and I, the first thing I see is, you know, some right wing lunatic talking, (laughs) you know, saying horrible things. (laughs) And, and I'm just like, oh, God damn. Or, or someone else being trashed online for, you know, an accidental bad take or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I hate this place. Uh,
1: mute mute is your friend you don't have no one's feelings will be hurt if you mute them because yep. they won't know they
0: will never know true that's very and true and
1: that, that's really how you do it you follow somebody because you do enjoy them most of the time and you and if you want to catch up with them you just go to their page and you look at it yeah. rather than having that constant feed and I mean I, I fully expect people mute me all the time because I have nothing but like self deprecating jokes about my own frailty and then look at this powerbomb
0: so. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, yeah, I, I really think that social media for me has infiltrated and wrecked the experience of, of pure enjoyment. And then there's also that that element that you mentioned, which is it's almost like we're always in a rush to enjoy things. There's there's always that rush to that hurry to experience pleasures that we are supposed to experience. And I think that there is a delight in, say, tabletop tabletop gaming that is just now becoming accessible to me. And I've been thinking about why is it? Why is it that Magic the Gathering, for example, which I'm a huge fan of and it's been like one of the best things of my life this year. Why do I gain such delight from that? And one of the reasons, I think, is because it forces me to slow down and be in the presence of other people. And... It, it forces me to—so if you're in a room playing a game of Commander, which is a 100-card singleton deck, uh, one card of each, and it can last for an hour plus, you have to slow down and just enjoy the presence of other people and engage in this mutual act of imagination. And there's something kind of religious and liturgical about it, There's a ritual to it. I think that the same pleasure spots that religion hits are hit similarly by gaming because they both immerse us in imaginative worlds and and a shared world or a paracosm, as Joseph Laycock would call it. And so there's all of that, but it, it forces me to slow down. And I remember the first time I was playing a game of magic with a friend of mine. And it I was like, there are so few pleasures that I have that aren't digital. There are so few things that I enjoy that aren't mediated by a computer screen. Nothing wrong with computer screens, they're fucking amazing. But there are so few things in my life that I gain that that give me genuine delight that aren't mediated by a screen. And this is and magic is one of those things. I think that there's just a dearth of delight in our in our world right now.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be anything that you have to spend thousands of dollars on to be competent at. Absolutely. And that's another thing about enjoying things is that don't expect to go into something being a master. Just accept that you can play with concepts, places, ideas, and just enjoy the the act of discovery. Because like going for a walk or just sitting outside drinking a cup of coffee or trying that new cafe you can't get any of your friends to go to. There's no reason you can't just go by yourself. There is no social shame to just doing something for yourself even if you're by yourself. And that's what Just Enjoy Things is, is like stop putting so much weight on how it's perceived or not having it be like tailored or fashionable enough. This is hilarious coming from a dandy. But because even within dandyism it's not all about just like a pristine constant similar uh, appearance or way of living or doing, it is a cultivation of the self. So all of this comes back into what I was talking about in the previous time we talked, about like, you you curate your life. Don't let your life be curated by aggregate, by aggregate sources, social media, things that you don't control. And you can use social media as a tool for yourself. But at the end of the day, you just need to take stock of what you enjoy. Like, I fell out of theater really hard, and... I was I was not doing well uh, several months ago, and I picked up a book of plays, and I started just reading uh, passages from plays out. And so <laughs> I set off the all of the listening devices in my home. Mm-hmm. I was oh, what was it? It was an Oscar Wilde play, and I forget the name of it, but it is about uh, Bolsheviks in Russia. It, but it's, it's it's it was him talking about like. The lead up to uh, what would become. The, oh. The, what?
0: Oh, I'm trying to remember which one that is.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to get up and get the book. But anyway, <laughs> it, it basically, he died before the, the Russian Revolution, but he was very in tuned with what socialism was probably going to lead to or should lead to. Yeah. And there was always, always pressures against these things. Yeah. Uh, but I was reading that out loud and I was like, I fucking love this. I loved taking on I was because I felt myself taking positions in the chair I was sitting in and changing my posture, my body language as I was reading and I forgot how much I loved
0: that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So for people who might not know what brings them delight, what advice would you give? And I know that this is probably far too broad to be helpful for a lot of people, but we can go ahead and give it a try. How would you advise someone to find delight? Barring, okay, sometimes not finding delight is a matter of, like, say, clinical depression or some underlying health issue. If that's the issue, then if possible, medical help is very good. Beside aside from that, aside from anything that might involve medical intervention, how would you advise someone to find delight or, or to just like things, just enjoy things?
1: Well, I think it starts with what you're doing and when you dislike something. like mm. why are you why do you feel compelled to say this thing or why do you feel compelled to take this action? What would you do differently? or what would you personally like to see? And rather than expressing it, think about it and then find that thing. But a lot of it comes down to really identifying the stressors that or the triggers that you have. Or, what invokes this behavior, or why you what discolors the world for you? And, and even if you are suffering from depression and other mental health struggles, it's still possible to like things. It doesn't have to be this grand, like euphoric thing. Just find that little thing that gives you a little bit of comfort. And sometimes prioritizing that is is important. Uh, also that Oscar Wilde play was called Vera.
0: Yeah, I just looked it up. <laughs> I that's actually one that I never read. I think that was his first play. It was. Yeah.
1: It's not the best play, but it's fun to read out loud. Um, Absolutely. Everything yeah, Oscar
0: Wilde ever wrote is fun to read out loud.
1: But yeah, it's it's really it's, it's it's individualized for everyone finding what brings you joy and it doesn't have to be anything grandiose. You don't have to go out and buy a whole new wardrobe or a whole new library or a whole set of commander decks. Like you, you can do that if you want to, but it can be as simple as just changing a a cycle that does, that displeases you or ending a conversation that you didn't want to be in, in the first place with yourself or with the world at large and being able to stop Hmm. giving yourself space to stop is the most important thing. Because if you, do, if you never stop, you never reflect on what could possibly be making you unhappy or causing rifts within your community that you may not understand that you are contributing to. And, it's ne- and it doesn't have to be grandiose. You don't have to be saving anything, because you're not. You're just looking out for yourself and your own well-being. And sometimes it could be as simple as, like, don't drink anymore. See what happens if you stop drinking for a while, if it's medically safe for you to do that. Like, things like that. And you can be like, oh, shit. I enjoy being outside at night or I enjoy rearranging my books on my shelf to be in various aesthetically pleasing ways and just (laughs) little things like that where you start picking up on the, the ebbs and flows of life that you've just not allowed yourself to see because you're too busy or you're too distracted or you're doing anything else that is distorting your ability to ground yourself in the space that you're in.
0: Yeah, this is reminding me of a quote by Neil Gaiman. He says, the solution to creativity is boredom and quiet. And so he says, I think, it's about, uh, I think it's about where ideas come from, and they come from daydreaming, from drifting, that moment when you're just sitting there. The trouble with these days is that it's really hard to get bored. I have 2.4 million people on Twitter who will entertain me at any moment. It's really hard to get bored. I'm much better at putting my phone away, going for boring walks, actually trying to find the space to get bored in. That's what I've started saying to people who say, I want to be a writer. I say, great, get bored. So I think that what he's he's pointing to is, you know, maybe not m- boredom is the word he uses. I, I would maybe like the word solitude or stillness or just stopping. Just <laughs> making that space for reflection. And then that's where the transformation happens. Um, yeah.
1: And it, it's gradual. Like when I started talking about this, Gamergate happened in like 2012,
0: 14, 14. Was it? I forget. I get that all confused.
1: It was it. So I think being on that side of it, I saw the, the bullshit stewing a little bit earlier yeah. than a lot of people. But but the 2014 was when everything like really like there was like it's about ethics and gun and all this shit. Yeah, that, uh, that's so when I
0: remember that, it blowing up, and I got online. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is this?
1: Yeah, but and now it is 2022, and, right? And from that point to now has been various points of fucking it up, getting a little bit better, fucking it up, getting a little bit better, and I'm still <laughs> you know on that 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 up and down spike of fucking it up and getting a little bit better, but I'm more cognizant of what I want to do or how I want to change the way I'm interacting with things now than I was. And that happened with all of the eruption around the state of the American society and how important it is to be able to be useful in whatever may, you may need to be, you may be asked to do, but also not lose yourself to constant destructive thoughts or constant destructive uh conversation or action there there is a time and a, there is no problem in just disconnecting and not putting your putting your noise out there when you're feeling when you're not okay when situations are bad and that's something that we have to progressively do more of if we want to take any action that could possibly benefit ourselves or people that we know so less performative noise and instead of filling those spaces with performative noise use those times when you would when you would be doing that to read up on the things that you're scared about or concerned about and then also make space for yourself to not deal with that even if it's for like a couple of hours a day yep don't look at it don't think about it find a thing that you can do or not do meditate sleep sleep's great you can you can you can develop a fascination with sleep and <laughs> and a great way to do that is if you're having trouble sleeping I like um I'm very into biohacking but not doing it I'm just fascinated by people who do it yeah me too and but I like sleep trackers because I've been tr- I've been using my Apple watch to track my sleep and I've noticed as I'm losing weight my oxygen levels at night are, are going up and down or how many times that I'm breathing and all these things. And I find this all fascinating. So, like, I get up in the morning and I check all my stats. And I <laughs> each week I go through it and be like, oh, I can, I can see the telltale signs that I'm getting healthier.
0: It, it's so funny that you bring all this up, actually, because sleep. So I have the brain, apparently, I've just accepted this about myself. I have the brain of a Victorian housewife who runs around the moors in a nightgown. You know, seeing specters like I I have the brain of a long lost wife who's lost in an attic who who's 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 locked in an attic <laughs> like I am. I am a I am a character from a Bronte novel <laughs> when when I do not get enough sleep. And so I have to viciously protect my sleep. Otherwise, I find myself hanging from the ceiling in like a bloody wedding gown with an axe. It's not pretty for anyone. And so I have to get nine hours of sleep every single night. And if I don't, I will just fucking fall apart.
1: And that's OK. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs>
0: it's it doesn't just... feel
1: OK, but like you. But the, the OK thing is that you know this about yourself. Exactly. And so you, you prioritize the things that you need. And for me, uh, I between my so I, I have mostly Apple products, right? Yep. And so the, the computer I'm talking to you on right now is an iMac. And I have an Apple Watch and an iPhone. You can make apples system shut you out of everything and make it a little bit harder to unlock your phone or unlock your watch and my watch unlocks my computer if I, if this protocol is in play and it's that time of night and I'm sort of like wandering around and I'm just like ah oh, you should probably just check I'll just check reddit and I I hit the button on my keyboard and my watch and it says okay like, hey, you have to type your uh, password in and I'm like I'm going to go back to bed. Yeah. I,
0: I do the, I have done that exact same thing. I have blocked Twitter and Facebook and all of the things all day long for my phone. So if I want to get on Twitter and get in a fight with someone, which I do far too often if you know if i if i'm really like jonesing for a twitter fist fight, then i have to sit down at my fucking laptop and open it and log in put in my password and then by the time i do all that i'm just like well fuck it i I would just go rather do something else so that puts like a definite something that's really helpful is to just make it harder to access certain things like yes just,
1: uh, sequester yourself as if you can only be reached by carrier pigeon. it's great
0: it is fantastic yeah just put in a bit more friction there's there's such a problem I think with a with frictionless media when when and, and by media I mean the whole landscape of like digital interactions and whatnot if we were to just have a bit more friction, if you just had to press one or two more buttons or enter one or two more things in order to get there, then that would probably greatly reduce the amount of anxiety, the amount of dysfunction, because all of that, all of that friction helps us to find that pause that Neil Gaiman was talking about in that quote. I love, by the way, the way Cal Newport says it where he says for at least for a certain period of time each week spend time without input from any other minds so yeah. sp- spend time without any input from any podcasts any books any audiobooks any social media any reading anything at all just no input from another mind and there's this kind of weight that lifts off when when we do that
1: and obviously there there are people who cannot be alone with their thoughts for very long and that's totally understandable absolutely um, do what's op- do what's comfortable for you
0: do like, what works
1: and that- that's why there's that's why we will be both said now that there's no hard and fast rule for doing any of this because it it's within every person to find the thing that helps them be less destructive to themselves yeah it's just getting there is a different journey for everyone and that's what's why you should
0: just like stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I did a conversation recently with a guy named Levi Walbert where he pointed out things in satanism that a lot of outsiders might see as just a matter of fashion or aesthetic or edginess or what have you, but explores them and But he explores them and demonstrates that they are actually vehicles for transcendence. So take, for example, the dark aesthetic. Well, the dark aesthetic in Satanism, that actually is imbued with a lot of rich meaning for a lot of different Satanists. It is not merely being edgy. It isn't merely in a, you know, it isn't merely because it looks cool, although it does. It's, it's because that it's a vehicle for religious transcendence. It has very real meaning for a lot of us. And, you know, so from the outside, a lot of things that look like they're just banal or edgy or needlessly dark or what have you are actually very important vehicles of practice and transcendence for satanists and i think that there's something similar about just enjoy things it sounds so fucking simple it it sounds so simple to the point of being banal but within it there's real richness and it can be a real vehicle for transcendence and well-being
1: absolutely and within my own interpretation of using that phrase I, I can apply it to the seven tenants of this satanic temple very quickly, being like, mm. it's taking agency and having compassion for both myself and other people, my uh, the autonomy, just my ability to reconcile harm and identify when that's happening. These things, it's all there. You just enjoy things, it's very simple to say, but it also, for aesthetics, uh, it's okay if your aesthetic changes, even if you are drawn to a dark aesthetic, and over time you find that, like, you... I apologize there was utility work being done outside of my window uh but <laughs> if you hear just thugs, I, that's what I don't hear
0: I don't hear anything
1: uh but it's okay to be like oh yeah I'm super into you know death metal and I'm never going to change and I'm going to always going to live this life and then you wake up and be like I am going to wear a cozy sweater today <laughs> I'm going I to drink tea like this stuff, with my cozy I am, sweater yeah, I, I have just I, I'm like a pumpkin spice latte sounds pretty good right now like and it's okay for that to also be you can you're still that person who liked those things. you can just be multifaceted and embrace the multifaceted things in your life because I was I mean I'm guilty of this and I am not and I am always on a call as I say I will always own my bullshit. I was very against uh a, sort of in a response to how I was as a as a teenager. I was like, no, I only like glam rock and I only like new post-punk and new wave. In reality, Adrian might also really like hardcore. And- <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: I was the exact same way. I was like, oh, I really I am just a metal kid. I just like metal. And then I, and then it's like, oh, well, actually, I also really like Lady Gaga and Beyonce. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yes. Nicki Minaj fucking rocks.
0: Yeah, she does. <laughs>
1: what it is and like part of my just enjoying things too was also just allowing myself to come back to things that i, I like dramatically turned my cape on and <laughs> realized yeah. if, you know you, you you were able to dramatically turn your cape on it because you, you had meaning to you at one point i'm like well shit and you can get yourself in a real thought conundrum on that one would you be like Oh, these I did like these things. Is, is it wrong that I liked these things? Sometimes maybe it is, depending on the thing that you liked, mm-hmm. or what you know, rhetorics you might have been following. But if it's also just an aesthetic thing that hurts no one for you to enjoy, you can just be like, "Oh shit, yeah, no, it's fine. I like that." I'm no, you're not gonna. Uh, I I still have very hard stances on emo, but uh,
0: oh, tell me, tell me about that.
1: Oh, I don't. Well, I cannot.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay, we have okay. Apparently, that's uh that is terrible that was the that, hard
1: stance i just cannot with emo
0: that that uh, is okay we we won't tread that ground on the podcast then
1: see yeah, this is me trying to be uh maybe practicing what i'm saying
0: can i ask you off air oh totally okay i'll ask you off air but <laughs> we will not talk about actually either.
1: no i'll just go ahead and tell you because uh, you don't need to I, was, I
0: don't need to guilt you into any into, no no, no it's, okay. it's
1: fine i uh so i grew up in a a punk and trad goth home okay and that was the aesthetic that I had. And growing up in the early 2000s, what might have also been happening that could have possibly lumped someone into yep. you're 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 a punk and goth person. And then there are these kids in these checkered belts with their <laughs> fucking hair and you, they everyone assumes you're one of them.
0: Yes. No, I had. So I was a goth as well in uh, high school and college, and I was not emo no. and people did not understand the difference.
1: And there's a di- there's it's, a
0: there's a difference. There's a big difference, and then you sound like that obnoxious guy on Twitter who's like, "Well, actually, there's a big fucking difference between emo and goth, and here's why." And so, just even like trying to press the point, just makes you feel like even more of a dweeb even though it Ooh. even though there are real differences <laughs> oh my right? gosh
1: and then then to, to, to add spice to that the difference between certain sec- certain avenues of hardcore and screamo
0: yes exactly like
1: shit this is gets this gets even harder and then you're like well i only like the guys that have the x's on their hands well shit that also gets harder because then they're also <laughs> shit and, and so, and, you, and
0: you just keep like digging your own grave. The more you try to explain that no, these things actually really fucking matter, and, and
1: then then you then you grow up and you go like, oh, it's totally fine. And then you uh, <laughs> then you listen to an emo song and go, yeah, that's fine. Especially <laughs> like early emo is fine. Yes, uh, it was mostly just like I, I I boil it down to I really don't like Panic at the Disco.
0: I don't like Panic at the Disco either.
1: And it, and it's okay. I can then say I don't like Panic at the Disco. I don't just unilaterally hate this entire expression that people had. So.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, one of the, how do I say this, this ties into my Satanism really deeply because I think that a lot of, and I wrote a whole article about this. I wrote an article called, uh, reactions to Satanism, a field guide (laughs) in which I like run down all of the most common reactions I get to the news that I'm a Satanist. And one of the reactions is, you know, it is just cringe adolescent bullshit and that it is either ironic or cringe or or what have you. And I'm just like, I think everyone is cringe. I think everything is cringe in some way. And the sooner we all accept that, the better. And I just don't care if other people find the thing that I love cringe or not it that's okay people don't need to like it people don't and one of the things that I find so refreshing about a lot of weird little internet subcultures is that they're just really unironically into the thing they love and it doesn't fucking matter if other people think it's cringe there's nothing ironic about my satanism and I don't actually I don't think I really understand irony (laughs) I don't think I I there are some ways I do like, no, I don't even think I do. No, I don't get ironically doing anything
1: because, you no know one ironically does anything. If you do a thing more than twice.
0: Yes. Then it's no longer ironic. So you're
1: doing that thing.
0: You are doing the thing. No, I don't. And I feel like this was especially a big discourse in the mid 2000s and and late to or, or, or uh, mid 2010s and late 2010s like the you know, ironic Nazis to ironic furries to hipsters to, you know, just an entire generation dripping in irony. I did not understand any of it. I'm like, either I do and love a thing or I don't. There's there's no in between.
1: Yeah, and it comes back to uh, the thing I said about social status. Because the things that people, apart from the Nazis, that was just I really oh, wouldn't it be funny if I just hate people. Was like I think you kind of just hate people. I think you oh, kind wouldn't of wouldn't be just... funny if I just pretended I hated people. No, you, no, you really. No, there... no, I'm just pretending. No, I wasn't giving any money to people who. Oh, I have been punched, and uh, so.
0: There's no such thing as pretending to hate someone. There's no, no such thing as pretending you... to be a Nazi. <laughs>
1: yeah, but but it, but the other stuff comes back to I'm better than them because I don't like this thing the way that they like them or to put it in wrestling terms which is very very real in my my childhood i'm from we, we live in the south yep. um, and i was told from people in my family and people around me that like only dirty poor people like wrestling mm. and that's one fundamentally not true two it was not that removed from dirty poor people because we were we literally had a farm i was spent many summers you know, herding cattle, I feel I know something about being filthy at some point, because I have fallen off a horse into a cow pie, but yeah. so, why? how am I better if I find something and if I enjoy something? So, like, don't take the piss out of somebody because they enjoy something that you don't see the value in. Just identify that you don't see the value in it, and fuck off. Like, it's... Or maybe hang around if you're if your revulsion has turned into a little trickling in the back of your brain that goes, what if I really do like this thing <laughs> and then and then you obsess and you bathe yourself in this filth no um no it, it's being exposed to new things and not immediately understanding them or understanding why someone likes them isn't a, is a normal response absolutely and there are some things that you should definitely have an immediate reaction to. It's like, oh that person's advocating for genocide. That is not a cool thing. Yep. That person is advocating that I treat people better. What does treating people better mean? Does it treat people better on their own terms? Or are they just suggesting that perhaps you take a breath and not tear people down? One yeah. of these things is better.
0: You know, especially what you were talking about just a minute ago with in regards to class and, and irony and, you know, oh, only quote unquote, lower class people are into, you know, the people who aren't classy are into wrestling. So I had this really interesting experience last year where there's a family in my local area that I'm very close to. And one of their kids was, he's like this Italian brawler, like they're an Italian family. And he, this, this guy just fucking loved Fist fighting. He just lived for it. He just lived for boxing. He absolutely loved it. And his mom messaged me at one point and was like, Thank you so much for supporting my son and his fighting. And, you know, he would be like, Would you want to come to a competition that I'm in? I was like, Yeah, absolutely. I would love to go. You know, like, and he would show me fights on YouTube and I would be like, Yeah, that's awesome that's super cool. And his mom messaged me and just said thank you so much. Most people like you don't don't grasp it. Most he was like I don't expect people like you, you know, people who <laughs> have a higher education, people who are generally more more liberal and lefty. She she said woke, you know, woke people like you. I don't expect woke people like you to to appreciate what my son is doing. But you do and thank you so much for supporting him and i on the one hand that was you know i'm glad that i could do it but it also just made me super sad <laughs> like
1: it it, and that's, it made and me so the, sad and that's the then that's genuinely you did something that was life-changing even though it felt so simple for you yeah you 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 let him have a space where he could be positive about the thing that he was interested in yeah include you in that conversation even if it was from a distance Yeah, and like that's really important you don't have to look like you don't have to start, you know, training for UFC because you met this kid and you supported him. But like, this is his way out of the situation he's in, or it's something that he just really likes to do, or he feels that like this is where his skill set is. Yep. Support it, do it, you'll love it, it. It doesn't matter. And like that's, but we we can see where in that situation everyone around him is like, well, you're not cut out for that, or you're not rich enough to do that, or like, again, that's and that comes the weird like battleground of like, oh, the best fighters are only wealthy people and come from wealthy families and train all the time. Or, like, only the only poor people, like, fighting. And, like, that's all nonsense. And you see where this comes from. It just becomes like mm-hmm. this, like, attacking someone else that's not you or from your not from your social status, but that you're either putting on airs or you're working beneath yourself. When you're just doing you. And, like, that's what you... So you, you have to think about the... You don't have to think about it but i do whenever someone just gets really just vitriolic about something someone else enjoys i think about what social implication it would have to be associated with that thing for them
0: oh interesting yeah absolutely like like what identity is under would be under threat or what what socioeconomic thing would be at play there yeah no that's really fascinating
1: because in almost every case there is a there is an implication either it huh. is one that is directly cultural like they're from like i don't know the hamptons and they can't be seen you know could like consorting with the common folk or they have come out of something that they are ashamed of or feel they they have been made to feel ashamed of and don't want to be associated with the trappings of the underclass
0: hmm so fast
1: sometimes, sometimes people are just shitty about stuff like that's it's not that always class-based
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that too well i think we're at the end is there any I, is there anything else to talk about i think that's it
1: no i, I think i hope i answered your question about this I hope absolutely
0: I no this was great this was fabulous and um you know we we always the, there's been a string of like super heavy intense shows on sacred tension lately. <laughs> it's it's been a bit heavy lately. So I just wanted to have you on and chill and chat some. So this was great. Uh, Thank you so I much. I
1: enjoy it and uh I I hope people understand anywhere where I'm coming from this because it's nothing new and it's nothing that I'm gonna take ownership of. It's just something that's helping me live in a time in which pe- perhaps people in, in my situation might not.
0: For sure. Well moral of the story just like things.
1: Yeah and it, and this 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 includes all the petty things we fight about for uh meme whateverness i don't even know how to what what properties you would associate with memes clout i right. don't know eat pineapple on pizza it's fucking fine like that kind of stuff like <laughs> just stop it yes just stop it
0: enjoy some fucking nickel bag <laughs> if that's your I, thing you
1: might get an eyebrow raised from me but if that's, that's your thing
0: exactly yeah.
1: <laughs> and live your life with abandon. Uh, Indulge—that's the decadence coming out. Like it is—it is, it is supremely decadent to just be engaged and deeply loving the thing that you like. There's not a a standard that you have to live by. And the more we reject arbitrary standards for things, the better everyone gets because we realize how stupid rules are. And we need, you know, some basic ones like you know, don't do murders. Uh, but <laughs> you know, don't steal from people and we should, you know, fully explain how not to do that. Yep. But the the arbitrary things we have about like what matters in society and so and, and social status is all bullshit. And it only leads to hurting other people. Even if you're not immediately doing it, it will cause a ripple effect in some way. Where you perpetuate some sort of aggression or violence, or someone that you have chastised perpetuates that that violence. It's breaking that 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 line of it's okay for me to just like this thing. It's okay for me to just do this thing. Mm -hmm. You can be that, that, that break be like, no, I really, 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 really like, you know, Care Bears and I'm about to make it everyone's (laughs) problem.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. This has been great.
1: No, I'm, I'm happy. I'm always happy to be here and it's nice to not talk about very heavy things.
0: All right. Well, that is it for this show the theme song is wild by 117. seven you can find it on apple music spotify or wherever you listen to music the show is written produced and edited by me stephen bradford long and it is supported by my patrons at patreon.com forward slash stephen bradford long as always hail satan and thanks for listening